0: Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond. One year ago, we recorded an episode on the streets of Muskegon, and we asked you for any feedback on other street names that you're interested in their history about. Well, the response we got was very overwhelming, and so back today is Jackie Huss with Episode 2 of Streets of Muskegon. Welcome back, Jackie. Thanks for having me back, Pat. It was fun to take the list of ideas from our listeners and dive into some of these interesting street names. While doing preliminary research, I found some name suggestions were just too common to track down to one specific person. But one name did lead me to a trend of naming streets after past Muskegon mayors, and I'm going to start by highlighting three of those streets. First up, we have Gyrock Street, named for the 1880-1881 mayor Francis Gyrock. It runs south from Irwin and then picks up after Hackley Hospital and runs a couple of blocks further south of Laketon. Francis was born in Austria in 1844 and arrived in the United States as a young teen around 1858. He married a German immigrant, Effie, in 1864, and the couple had 14 children. In 1880, he and his wife lived on terrace with their eight children. Francis at the time was self-employed as a cigar manufacturer. A city directory advertisement revealed he started his wholesale cigar and cigarettes company in 1866. The 1883 city directory shows that he was one of five cigar manufacturers in the city, a profession he continued up until his death in 1911 at the age of 67. His leading 10-cent brand was the FJ, which had a large local sale. Then there was the Star and the Little Sailor, which were his leading 5-cent brands. His son, John J. Gyrock, continued the family business, and Gyrock Wholesale was in business up until 1995 when it changed names to United Wholesale. The next street we're going to look at is Walks, and it was named for another Muskegon mayor who served from 1889 to 1891 and runs through Muskegon Heights south from Hackley Avenue to Hovey Avenue and then picks up again at Broadway and runs south to Norton Avenue. Martin Walks was mayor of Muskegon during the devastating Pine Street fire of 1891, and 1891 also happens to be the year Muskegon Heights became a village, which is likely why the street was named for him around that time or in the years following. Before being mayor, the 1887 city directory lists Mr. Walks as the county treasurer. He and his wife were both born in the Netherlands, Mr. Walks in 1851, and he came to America with his parents in 1866. They lived in Muskegon by 1870, where his father was a carpenter and Martin was a general laborer. He and his wife had four children by 1880, and he was a clerk and later partner in a clothing store. The couple had 10 children total, and after his stint in public office, Martin was listed as a grocer in the 1897 city directory. He passed away in November of 1900 at the age of 49. The third street that's named for a mayor that we're going to talk about today is Leahy. It's one block east of Gyrock and runs from Irwin in Muskegon, south to Airline Highway in Muskegon Heights. It was most likely named for the merchant and former mayor, William Leahy, who was born in New York in 1854. He came to Muskegon in 1869 at the age of 15, and by the age of 24, he was listed in the Muskegon City Directory as the owner of Leahy & Company, a popular dry goods and clothing store. About nine years later, in 1887, he partnered with William Hardy to form Leahy & Hardy Company. Then in 1892, he spent a year traveling Europe before returning to Muskegon. He was elected mayor in 1895, then appointed a member of the Board of Public Works. Mr. Leahy lived at the Occidental Hotel during his entire Muskegon residence. However, on December 31, 1896, he left Muskegon to start a new dry goods store in Toledo, Ohio. So now we're going to move on to a few streets in town that were named for prominent businessmen of the late 1800s. Hoyt Street, which is one that many of you recommended I look into, is one block east of Leahy Street and runs from Irwin, south to Mona Lake Park. It is named for attorney Hiram J. Hoyt, born in Oakland County in 1843. Mr. Hoyt first came to Muskegon in 1867 after serving in the Civil War and studying law in Aurora, New York. He practiced alone, then joined the firm Smith, Nims, Hoyt, and Irwin in 1874. He and his wife Ada had one son, Wilbur, and Hiram succumbed to pneumonia in May of 1909 at the age of 66. If we move a couple blocks further east and just south of Laketon, you'll find Howden Street, which runs south nearly to Airline Road. Mr. John J. Howden is likely the namesake for this street, in the 1870s, when Mr. Howden was in his early thirties, he was superintendent of the Muskegon Gas Works. Gas was the main source of lighting at the time for families who could afford it. He later started his own business, J.J. J. Howden and Company, a plumbing, steam, and gas fitting company. He was quite a prominent man in town, being on the board of the Union National Bank with Charles Hackley as well as a member of the Board of Directors when the Muskegon Board of Trade was founded in 1893. He died in 1913 at the age of 66. Palmer Avenue was another popular suggestion. It's in the Nims and Pinchtown neighborhoods and runs parallel with and one block southeast of Lakeshore Drive from Southern Avenue to Frisbee Street. It was named for Thomas W. Palmer who was part owner of the Rudiman Sawmill. Born in Detroit, he spent most of his life there. He served as a U.S. Senator from 1883 to 1889 and was the U.S. Minister to Spain from 1889 to 1890. The Muskegon Chronicle notes that he made an address at the dedication of the Hackley Library and was also the president of the Chicago World's Fair in the early 1890s. He died at his home in Detroit in 1913. His involvement in the Ruddiman Mill and his national political career are likely why the street was named for him, even though he never officially called Muskegon his home. In the previous Name Game podcast, I discussed the father and son-in-law duo of Sanford and Peck, who owned a large swath of land for fruit farming originally, in what is now the heart of the city. However, their family's tie to Muskegon streets does not end with Peck and Sanford Avenues. Other streets in the area that was known as Sanford's addition were also named for family members. This area is bordered by Apple to the north, Wood to the east, Irwin to the south, and Sanford and Peck to the west. The streets include Ambrosia, which was named for Sanford's wife of 41 years, who also is Peck's daughter. Irwin was named for Ambrosia and Samuel's young son, born in 1862 and dying in 1864. Arthur was named for the couple's son born in 1865. Arthur grew up to become a bookkeeper and insurance agent living in Muskegon until eventually moving to Grand Rapids in the 1890s. He later moved to Los Angeles where he died in 1931 at the age of 66. Sophia was also a family name given to two of Samuel's infant daughters who died in infancy. And lastly, Ransom was Samuel Sanford's middle name as well as that of one of his sons, Isaac, who was born to his first wife and lived to be 98 years old, dying in 1945. Now we'll journey north to the neighboring towns of Whitehall and Montague to learn the namesakes of a few of their historic streets. Mears is a familiar name in northern Muskegon County and Oceana County, including Mears Avenue and Whitehall. Brothers Charles and Albert Mears were born in Massachusetts in 1815 and 1821, respectively. They moved to Pawpaw, Michigan in 1836, where they opened a general store. In 1837, Albert and his brother Charles, as well as a couple other men, sailed a skiff to Whitehall to investigate the stories of huge white pines. They planned a sawmill on Silver Creek and built a cabin there. When Charles left on foot to get machinery from Pawpaw, the other men became discouraged and after a few weeks returned to Pawpaw. Charles then came back to the Whitehall area in 1838 and opened a sawmill, which was the first on White Lake. It is thought that he brought in skilled workers from the East to build his mill, which he ran for more than 15 years. Charles eventually left Whitehall for the Pentwater area in 1855 and had a wide channel dug from the Pentwater River to Lake Michigan. He died in Chicago in eighteen ninety five, leaving daughters Carrie, aged fifteen and Lucy, aged twelve orphans, his wife having died the year before. He may be best known today for his state park named in his honor in Pentwater, Michigan, the land the park sits on was once owned by him and was donated to the state by his daughter Carrie in nineteen twenty three. His brother Albert was a leading businessman in the Whitehall area and in 1861 had bought Charles's Lakefront store which he ran up until his death in 1901. Another street in Whitehall named after a prominent businessman is Colville Street. It runs south from Hanson Street across Colby and ends at Slocum in the White Lake Community Center. The Colville-Lumbering family was originally from Pennsylvania And the siblings consisted of five brothers and three sisters. Charles was active in lumber and real estate and was influential in politics. He also led the construction of the Whitehall Masonic Temple. In 1883, he was partners with his older brother, Andrew, in the A.J. and C.E. Coval Lumber Manufacturers. Andrew passed away in 1885 at the age of 51, and Charles went on to live in the area until his death in 1924 at the age of 79. The Staples and Coval Mill was the last mill open on White Lake when it closed in 1907. If we move a little further north, Dowling and Ferry Streets are familiar to anyone with experience in the Montague area and were named for the founding families who owned the land where Montague now stands. The man responsible for laying out the plans for the village in 1861, Noah Ferry, had previously been managing his family's steam mill near the mouth of White Lake. He named the town in honor of his father, Reverend William Montague Ferry, a Presbyterian minister in Grand Haven, who had brought his family to the area in 1835. Prior to that, he and his wife left Massachusetts for Mackinac Island around 1824, where William was a missionary for just over 10 years. A year after Noah created plans for Montague, he and just over 100 other men joined the Union Army, with Noah as the major of Company F of the Fifth Michigan Calvary. Unfortunately, he was killed in battle near Gettysburg on July 3, 1863. At his death, his property in what is now Montague went to his father, who was still living in Grand Haven. He also had two brothers, William Jr. and Edward. The village was finally platted after the war in 1865, and the Ferry family went on to be part of many economic developments for the area, though they seemed to keep their primary residence in Grand Haven. William Sr. passed away in 1867 in Grand Haven, and William Jr. looked to have carried on the family business. Now the other street, Dowling, was named for George Dowling, who was a lumber dealer and landowner in the area. In 1865, George and Mr. Ferry started the Red Mill and were employing about 50 men. In 1866, he built a shingle mill north of where Dog and Suds is now located, and his brother, Henry, worked for George as a lumbering superintendent and also lived with him. In 1870, the Fairies and Dowlings were partners in the Montague House Hotel. It was built on Ferry Street in an L shape and was four stories high. Just east of that, Henry Dowling also built another four-story building. The Montague House burned in February of 1873. Henry was also partner in a building of the Franklin House Hotel the same year the Montague House burned in 1873. In 1870, the Fairies and Dowlings were partners in the Montague House Hotel. It was built on Ferry Street in an L shape and was four stories high. Just east of that, Henry Dowling also built another four-story building. The Montague House burned in February of 1873, and during that same year, Henry also partnered in a building of the Franklin House Hotel. In addition, Henry Dowling was the first chief engineer of the Montague Fire Department, which organized in October of 1873. This was probably in response to the loss his family experienced. I'm going to leave you there now. Thanks for traveling through time and place with me to explore the origins of a few of Muskegon County's streets. If there's a street we didn't cover that you're interested in, check out our first podcast from March of 2018. And if you don't find your answer there, drop us a comment with the suggestion.